Hey, this is Scott Walker, and you can't recall courage. Uh, thanks for joining us on this podcast. I know a lot of people are having extra time these days for podcasts, so uh, even though it's a little bit later than I normally do on Friday, wanted to get this out and kind of put things in perspective. I, I wrote about this in the Washington Times uh, this morning, and it's online as well, but uh, we'd love to expand on it a little bit. And, and, and for me, I, I go back in time. You know, sometimes we think about how to deal with crises that we face today. It's important to think about how we handled them years ago. And um, one of the things I think about at moments like this was way back to September 11th. In fact, that morning, the morning of uh, 9-11-2001, both of our sons, Matt and Alex, were eating breakfast uh, before heading off to their elementary school when my wife called from work. That that morning, she'd gone into work early, and uh, she reached out to me and said that uh, I needed to go into the living room and turn on the television like probably just about everybody listening who's old enough to remember this, uh, to my disbelief, certainly, I, I watched the images of, of the second plane crashing into the South Tower of the World Trade Center. I, I remember that day like it was yesterday. I, uh, later, as I, I went, I was part of a carpool, and we headed off to work, and I remember listening, literally pulling over about the Delafield exit as we listened in dis- disbelief, really, as the report came out that the Twin Towers had fallen to the ground. I and the others in the car, we we looked at each other because we thought they had to be mistaken. It had to be something fell off of the towers. Now, I couldn't even possibly imagine that two buildings so large could crumble to the ground. Once together with our family that day, we explained what took place in the morning. And all I could think about, it was absolute uh, fear for me for days. All I could think about was that that the, those images of the Twin Towers would be haunting my son's childhood. Then something amazing happened. Uh, again, I remember it vividly. President George W. Bush, I remember calling everyone out to light a candle on, uh, at their homes on Friday night. This 9-11 had occurred on Tuesday. So days later, at the end of the week on Friday, he'd called us all to light a candle. And we decided to do it in our front yard, and we invited our parents and family Tonette on that morning, that Friday morning, dropped the kids off at school and uh, told a number of her friends, uh, other parents of uh, the, the friends of our kids, that we were going to do this. And, and much to our amazement, we opened the door that evening and found the entire front yard just full of family, friends, and neighbors. Thankfully, uh, trying to figure out what to do, thankfully, we, we had a box of old candles, and so we got a knife out, and I, I cut them into pieces so that everyone would have their own light. Then we just kind of spontaneously decided to start singing patriotic songs, God Bless America, and America the Beautiful. And finally, at the end, my dad, who's now with the Lord, but my dad, a retired pastor, led us in really a very moving prayer. And for me, that day... United We Stand was more than just a slogan. It was real. Looking back, I'm so grateful that Matt and Alex's memories of, of that horrific week focused more on the faces illuminated by candlelight that night and not on the world darkened by the awful, horrific uh, acts of those terrorists. On that Friday, love triumphed over hate. Today, we face a new threat in America and around the world. Unlike the aftermath of 9-11, there is not a clearly known enemy. We do, however, have the same fear and anxiety that so many of us had during those initial days after the terrorist attacks. Now, more than ever, we need to return to that sense of united we stand. 
You see, Republicans are not going to defeat this attack, nor are Democrats. Only God can deliver us from this evil, and I believe that God is calling us to work together now more than ever. Yeah, it's understandable that some may be skeptical of this threat because of the hype and the hysteria that we, we often hear, see, and read from many in the media. The facts, however, show a real crisis emerging during the next few weeks. Scenes in Italy on, on a daily basis are a deadly reminder of what may happen if we do not take the coronavirus seriously. We are, without a doubt, blessed to live in America where we have exceptional health care. The very real concern, however, is that we are headed towards such a dramatic increase in the number of people affected with, with the virus that we may not even have enough hospital rooms for all the patients. That's particularly important for the, the more serious respiratory cases that require treatment in an intensive care unit, an ICU. That is why it is so important to suspend mass gatherings like athletic events, concerts, colleges, schools, and even religious services. Uh, whether the government calls for it or not, I think people on their own need to heed the advice of, of experts, not just the elected officials, but the, the scientists and doctors and other medical professionals who are telling us what's, what's coming up if we don't take action. The more people are exposed to others with the virus, the faster the increase in the number of people with positive tests. As we've heard repeatedly over the past week or so, we need to slow the curve so we can handle care for those who have the virus and need our immediate attention. Everyone, everyone is vulnerable to the virus. Yes, no doubt about it, older adults and people with compromised immune systems might have higher risk, but everyone, including healthy young people, can test positive. And, and just as important to stress, young and healthy people can pass the virus on to others. Everyone, everyone needs to stay at home and away from other people. If you don't need to go out, if you, I should say, if you do need to go out, it should be in groups of less than 10 people and only for things that are essential like groceries, medicine, and other key things. Don't go out shopping just for the sake of shopping. Go out to your grocery store or your pharmacist or, or whatever you might need, but, but practice uh, self-distancing. You know, make sure that you put distance between yourself and other people. Stay at home if you're sick for sure, and particularly if you believe you have symptoms Call your healthcare professional before you head off to the hospital, the clinic, or even the doctor's office. We need to do what we've heard time and time again and things that we've been told for years just to counter the flu and, and other ailments, but we need to wash our hands frequently. We need to avoid touching our, our eyes, our nose, or our mouth with unwashed and unclean hands. And when you clean your hands, ideally soap and water is the best. And if you don't have access to that, use a disinfectant, ideally with up to 70% alcohol in it. And, and clean and disinfect frequently during the day items that you may have touched, uh, like surfaces, particularly metal surfaces, surf, surfaces, I should say. There are some who think they're immune to the virus. There are others, and I, I heard it out there, who object to the government telling what to do. But think about this for a minute. If troopers were blocking traffic because of an avalanche coming down, would any of us ignore them and go around the barricades? No. No, that would risk the safety of ourselves and of the others in our vehicles. That would risk the safety of, of those first responders who would ultimately have to go out and try and rescue us. Uh, those are, and, and I think in that case, we would expect the experts, be they people in the government or not, to warn us, to warn us of that imminent danger. We have been forewarned by experts of what's coming. 
We can stop the avalanche, but we we must each do our part. United we stand. We're in this together. We can get through this, just like Americans have many, many times before. We need to, to work together and, most importantly, call on our God to help us get through this. When I come back, I want to tell you a little bit more about one of the ideas we're proposing to move us forward even after we get through the health and safety risk. And one more thing to put this all in perspective. I'll be right back. Hi, Scott Walker back here and You Can't Recall Courage. Thanks for listening in. I wanted to make sure we did a podcast this week for folks who are looking for things to do and looking out the window out here in Pewaukee at a lake that just a few weeks ago was frozen over. It's nice to see it open. The other day I saw the ultimate social distancing, two people on a paddleboard going out there. But I hope you are practicing social distancing as well. Uh, Although I got to tell you, at a time when we physically need to stay away from others, uh, particularly those not uh, the people that we live with. It's also a time to remember to draw closer emotionally and spiritually uh, our family, our friends, our loved ones, and others who need our support now more than ever. And I hope one of the positive things out of this is we don't take that for granted in the future and find ways to get together more often, to look out for people, to check in for folks, and find ways we're going to particularly need after this all is done. And it, we will get through this. Uh, but uh, some of the hardest hit, of course, are the people who own our restaurants or bars, other establishments out there, particularly small businesses, and we're going to need to go out of our way to help them. Drawing people closer is actually, uh, there's many different ways to do that. One of the things we're doing tonight, there's a group of six families. We all met when our kids were in junior kindergarten. They're all in their mid-20s now. We often get together. The last time we were together was a month or so ago. We love going around the state of Wisconsin to supper clubs, and so we call it the Wauwatosa Supper Club Club. And tonight we're going to have dinner together, but not in person, uh, through the wonders of technology. In this case, we're going to happen to use Zoom, but you can use FaceTime, Skype, whatever. Uh, We're going to each uh, be in our own homes, having our own dinner, uh, but set it up so that we can all be conversing together. Uh, the next closest thing to having a, a dinner with the, the whole group of all 12 of us. So hopefully you'll find ways to do that with family and friends as well. Looking ahead to after we get past the, the immediate threat, which is, of course, the, the health and safety aspect of this, uh, there's going to be a huge financial crisis that we have to go through, and we're already seeing the early signs of that. One of the things I hear about most frequently from even members of my own family, certainly friends and others out there, uh, is the uh, the concern about uh, mortgage payments with about three-quarters of all Americans living paycheck to paycheck. And with mortgage payments, for most people, being the number one cost in your household, uh, there's a big concern that, uh, you know, if we go a couple months without people earning income, whether folks have lost their job entirely, whether they've been laid off, whether they see a reduction of hours or even just a reduction in income, major, major stress for most people in this country, and I got to believe around the world, for what to do uh, when those bills uh, come due, particularly the mortgage payment. And so I was talking with a friend of mine the other night who's for many, many years had worked in the uh, banking and financial industry, and and I just said, "I, I don't know the name, I don't know if this is possible, but why couldn't mortgage payments be deferred 
uh, push back. Uh, little did I know that's the actual word for it. He told me, yeah, there's deferrals. Typically, they're, for example, someone who's deployed in the military. Most banks and credit unions and mortgage banks will give a deferral until that person returns. And, and again, it's not writing it off and it's not pushing it off for a few months and then having to pay two or three times as much because that, that doesn't add to the stress. If people haven't been making any money uh, this month, then if it continues for a month or two, uh, not having to pay now but paying more in a couple of months is not uh, giving people peace of mind. No, rather the better thing is is a true deferral which means if you've got a say a 15 or a 20 or 30 year mortgage you just be adding months onto the end of that which is something far into the future you'd be able to pay over it over time uh, the banks and financial institutions will will ultimately get their money back but it's a great way to get peace of mind and so uh, earlier this week I sent a letter to the American Bankers Association the Credit Union National Association and the Mortgage Bankers Association asking them, and, and just to stress, this does not require action by the government, so I'm not asking the government to do this, but asking them to announce uh, publicly to the country uh, a plan to uh, to allow Americans to defer their mortgage payments for up to six months. You know, we're hauling this together, and this would dramatically reduce the stress level, I think, for most families and most individuals uh, here in America. And so it, it's simple. You just push it off. They've done it before in limited cases. Again, it's typically because of something like a, um, maybe the death of a head of household, a military deployment, some other unique circumstance. Um, normally wouldn't call for this, but I think considering what people are going through all across the state and all across the country and all around the world, it just makes sense. And if financial institutions are able to do this, particularly if they part of the idea was not to do it on an individual basis, bank by bank, credit union by credit union, but to ask them as a whole, if they're, you know, all do it together, does it give any competitive advantage or, or disadvantage to the various institutions out there? But I just, I really do think this would add a tremendous amount of, of peace of mind to a good number of people who are absolutely stressed out uh, all across America. So next week I'll talk about some more plans. I'm going to write about this uh, next week in the uh, in the Washington Times about some additional things beyond just this mortgage deferral uh, that we could do going forward. A lot of these things are things, again, like I stressed, that do not require any action by the federal, state, or local governments, but things that we can do that would dramatically improve uh, the circumstances of most Americans and would get us through this. The most important thing, though, I, I think is a, now more than ever a reminder to pray. And last Sunday, the president called for a, a national day of prayer. It's something I talked about with Vice President Pence on, on Saturday. And for whatever reason, early, early on Sunday morning before I uh, tuned in to our church, Elmbrook's church uh, online services, I just felt this call to sit down and write this prayer. And some of you may have read it when I, I shared it on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, but for others who may just be hearing it for the first time, I just want to end uh, with this simple prayer, and then we'll, uh, we'll tune in and touch base with you next week. <clears throat> Dear God, we need you. We need you now more than ever. So many of us are afraid. We don't know what to think and who to believe. We need you. Each day increases our worry, worry for ourselves, our families, our friends, and for our nation. In fact, dear God, we worry for people all over the world. We need you. Blame and bickering abound. 
Calm voices of reason are hard to be found. We need you. The unknown is what frightens us the most. For so many of us, we've been blessed to live in a place and a country. We've had few, if any, fears. Now we're scared of what comes next. We need you. For too long, we've lived lives buried on our phones, our eyes stuck on TV from morning till eve. We've lost sight of your word and the peace that only you can bring. We need you. Please bless our families and friends. Bless our neighbors, friend or foe. Guide our leaders at this time. Please bring us together. We need you. Take our hand and draw us near as we battle with our fear. Help us find ways to reconnect with our families and friends. Help us to look out for our neighbors and coworkers and students. Most importantly, help us reconnect with you. Lord, we need you. Amen.